You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 175. Today, we're talking all about how to live an Olympic life. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now with over 1.2 million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What's up, everybody? James Wedmore here. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Mind Your Business Podcast. I'm your host, James Wedmore, and you are awesome. I... Love ya. Oh my gosh. So we got a great episode for you in store today. Bringing on my buddy Jason Parker, who is an Olympic medalist. And we did an interview talking about his mindset, his psychology, and really how he approached winning an Olympic medal and now how he really applies that to life. So that's coming up for you today on this episode. But I want to check in. I want to chat. I want to see how you're doing and I want to give a specific shout out to Veronica Sagastumi. I know Veronica listens to the podcast every single week, and she also listens to it with the rest of her entire family. So I wanted to give a special shout out to her. So hopefully you guys are all listening and really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening and thank all of you guys for listening as well. All right. So before we get into this, I want to share a little cool something that I did because, you know, most likely most of our listeners are listening to this episode on Monday. I think it's a great way to start out your week. You know, a lot of our listeners are, have been saying that this is kind of like a weekly mental, emotional and spiritual reset. And I think that's so important, especially before we're about to just dive into another week. Right. So something I did with our coaching clients that they really enjoyed. And the reason I did it with them is because I do it with myself all the time. And something I want to invite you to participate to is as well is having and expressing and writing down gratitude for something that has not yet showed up in your life yet. You know, something we've talked about a bit on previous episodes when it comes to like manifesting miracles in your life, like creating things and having them show up and appear in your life when you didn't even think that was possible is there's kind of this double-edged sword with that. Whereas like we are creatures of desire. We always will want and yearn for more, right? Until the day we die. And that's like something that we need to be okay with, something that we need to accept. Like there's nothing wrong with wanting, wanting more connection, more relationships, more experiences, more stories, more, more stuff. Like, you know what? Like, yeah, I I want another surfboard. (laughs) You know, I want to like another skateboard. I don't know why they're both boards in this example. Why? Because It gives me more opportunities to experience fun in my life, which is important to me. You shouldn't feel guilty, wrong, or bad for wanting those things. Oh, but that's material. Well, it is, but, you know, what's the point otherwise? You know, we're here to experience things and have fun. The problem, in my opinion, becomes when we end up saying something about who we are or how we can feel without those things. Like when I have this, then I'll finally be happy or I'll be enough or I'll be complete, blah, blah, blah. That's where it gets really tricky and yucky. We don't want to go there. But I do feel like there's this kind of this double-edged sword where in wanting something, you create 
clarity in your next aim, your next goal. Like, I want this. Maybe it's something big, like that dream house or that dream business, or maybe it's something small, like, you know, a new surfboard. But the double-edged sword is that in the desire and the wanting of it, simultaneously, you're acknowledging the lack of it. By wanting something, you have to simultaneously acknowledge that you don't have it. And not having something and continuing to want it isn't going to bring it into your life. Well, what will then? Well, the answer is gratitude. It's the easiest and most powerful and most simple and most effective way. Because if you can be grateful for something that isn't even in your life yet, then you're doing two things. Number one, you're putting your attention on it. So you're giving it an intention, clarity, and focus, but you're not creating any acknowledgement of lack. Thank you for this thing that is coming into my life. Or even just thank you for the new surfboard. Thank you for the new home. And I want to invite you to do that today. You do that every day and you can do that every week. You do that every morning. You could do that every evening. You know, it's up to you how fast you'd like awesome things to show up in your life. But it's something that Chelsea and I do all the time. And what's really cool is one of the reasons why I'm sharing this and started this is because my team started doing it. So we just had our recent launch and it's the most successful, biggest launch we've ever done. And it was an internal test launch, which is just totally crazy. And one of the things that my entire team did is they started writing these gratitude lists of the different results they wanted. They said, thank you for all the customers. And they got really specific with their each individual goals. Thank you for all the X amount of customers that have joined the Business by Design community. Thank you for the X amount of downloads that we have on the podcast. And these are all things that hadn't happened yet. And they started by expressing gratitude and they wrote them on big whiteboards in the office. And it's just, you know, I'm not really surprised that it was a spectacular launch and that everything went extremely well on every different level from just the way the team gelled to the results that got created and everything in between. So why are we doing this? Why can't we start right now today and take a moment and write down on a piece of paper something that you really want, something you're excited about, something that maybe hasn't come in and just like, Give it some gratitude. Just say thanks for this thing that hasn't come in. We all have things in our lives that we know are coming. And so there's not much heaviness and attachment to it. Like, for example, you know that your birthday's coming. For some, someone listening here, it was yesterday. But for most of us, it's like, you know, it's coming. <laughs> it wasn't just yesterday. And so, like, you don't doubt that your birthday's coming. And you don't do anything to try and force it and get it here sooner. You just, you just know it's coming. So you're like... Oh, this is, you know, my, yeah, exciting day for me. It's coming. And I always like to look at the things that I really want from that kind of same energy and attitude of like, oh yeah, like I want this thing. It's coming. Yeah. You know, have some patience. Right. So anyways, worth trying out. I thought you would enjoy that. Okay. So after you've done that, let's get into today's episode. And today it's kind of interesting that we're, we're talking about this because I actually just heard somebody else say this and I so loved it. He talks about his team and he talk, the way he talks to his team is he says, with the work that we're doing, we need to be operating at an Olympic level. Now that word, just that one word, Olympic or Olympic level has so much meaning to it, right? So much like, so much that can be inferred from that. Like, okay, we got to perform at our best. We got to push ourselves a bit. We got to be the best at what we do. And I was like, I really love that. Like, I think our team performs at an Olympic level. I should be communicating that. So I think that's really neat. So 
what would it look like for you to perform at an Olympic level? And are you doing that? So that's what we're gonna talk about on today's episode with my guest, Jason Parker. Now, Jason is an Olympic medalist. He's also an international speaker on high performance and the mindset of top achievers. And he has over 20 years experience in high performance sport. Now he's helped people transcend their stuck mindset and unlock their own Olympian within to discover and develop the world-class mentality of Olympic athletes. And he is my special guest here today on the Mind Your Business podcast. So without further ado, let's get into that interview with Jason Parker right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am here with Mr. Jason Parker. Jason, how you doing? I am doing awesome, my friend. I mean, I'm so like, we're finally doing this. Uh, I know, it seems like it's been been forever. (laughs) I mean, you reached out because you're like, hey, it's the Olympics and this would be a great time. And I feel like they've come and gone, (laughs) but we're we're here. So first of all, thanks for reaching out. Thanks for um, thinking of me. I'm glad we finally got you on the show. So why don't we just start right at the beginning and you share a little bit about who you are and I'd love to dig into your story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and if I can, you know, just before I get started, I want to, you know, thanks so much, James, for having me here. Uh, I'm really excited to do this. And and one thing that I want people to keep in mind is, is that you know, obviously, if if you're, I'm, I know your 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 listeners are entrepreneurs, and and the fact that they're here listening to your podcast means that they're wanting to go to a higher, another level, go to a higher level. And so today, what I really want to make sure that I do is try to provide as much value as possible. And but I don't want this to be about the Jason Show. I don't want this to be about that. I want this to be about helping your audience to be able to limpify their business and limpify their life. But to that end, I will obviously share some stories, but every story that I do, I'll try to make sure that I build a bridge and bring it right back to how that relates directly to your audience. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. All right. So where do you want to start? I mean, let's, you, that it's your story. So I know very little about your backstory and I would love to hear it as well. So the more about you and how you came to be talking about Olympifying your life and business um, would be a great place to start. Okay, awesome. Well, I was, uh, I'm originally from uh, Saskatchewan and I, I know that a lot of the people, a lot of listeners are probably Americans and that's that's in the prairies of, of Canada. So, you know, you have to excuse my accent if, if uh, some slips out, but I was born and raised in, in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, which is a, a little place in the prairies. And uh, when I was a kid, you know, growing up in the prairies, everybody wanted to be a hockey player. And, and you know, for the most part, you know, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to go to the Olympics and in something I you know played hockey for for six years you know I did pretty well but I found that um, you know I for those of you that have watched hockey I mean the the, the Stanley Cup uh, finals just ended I was one of the fastest on my team but I always had hands like bricks and so I knew I never was, was never going to get to the highest level by doing that sport so decided to uh, you know to go elsewhere and one of the things that really took me into sport is that as a kid I was actually I was a little bit overweight and I got bullied and teased quite a bit and a lot of the kids you know they They'd call you know when kids can be kids they they call you call you all kinds of different different things and and I really struggle with that so I kind of went and switched over to sport to try and and grow beyond that to be able to just try and, and make something myself and and hope that you know I'd be able to transform my body and and get to higher levels and that's what really appealed to me about the the Olympics. 
so yeah, so I started speed skating. It was a very, very interesting, interesting journey. How I got into it was um, my my sister actually started first. She kept on coming home every weekend with these medals, and being an 11 year old hockey player, I wanted to win medals too, and so thought I'd give this uh, this crazy sport a try. And my very first race was actually it was one of the one of the biggest pivotal moments in my looking back on my life was actually was my very first race and and so i want you to, to imagine what it what it was like obviously I know, I know a lot of the listeners aren't familiar with speed skating i started off doing what's called short track speed skating which takes place inside of a hockey rink and so so here i was i, I was trying this brand new sport it's got these crazy skates with really long blades i've only played really hockey before and i, I you know traveled away from my home my hometown to this uh, to a larger city to, to compete my family was there my brother my sister and my parents and I'd, I'd actually I'd, I met this cute girl when I got to the competition and, and so here I was I was basically I was scared out of my mind I, I didn't know what I was getting into but I just I had decided that I wanted to to try this sport and I wanted to, to give it my best and so having the hockey player mentality I decided I thought well how cool a story would it be if I went out and I won my very first race hmm. I just you know I wanted to win that first race so bad and and so I you know, got to the starting line. I had the butterflies, you know, like I, like I mentioned, I was just, I was absolutely freaking out. I was, I was so nervous. I'm sure many of you can relate to start trying something new and how nervous you actually get. So I, I go to the starting line and, you know, the, the starter gives the commands and the gun get goes off and I got off to a really good start. And I was actually, I was winning my first race. It was like, my dream was coming true. It was incredible. And then I got to the first turn and nobody ever really told me how hard it was to turn on those longs on those long blades. So, so James, can you imagine what happened when we got to that first corner? Oh my goodness! Did you hit the wall? Oh man, I hit the boards hard. Wow! <laughs> so I got up and I started, you know, taking off as fast as I could because, you know, I wasn't smart enough to know that chances of me being able to win the race were were slim to none after falling. And so I got, you know, tearing as fast as I could do, go and got to the next turn and I and I crashed again. And so, a long story short, the the race was only two laps long and there's four corners in those those two laps and so I fell four times and I came dead last. Mm. So that was my very first experience with speed skating. So and being being just the fastest isn't always the surefire strategy yeah, for winning there. Exactly, exactly. And but let me ask you a question James is that, you know, and and this is one of the biggest lessons that like I said that I've taken away from that has been hugely pivotal in my whole life and I hope that it'll have the same impact on your listeners is that how did I fall four times but still finish last? What did I have to do? You had to get back up. You bet. You bet, brother. And even though it seems like a, such a simple lesson, it's something that a lot of us tend to forget. You know, when you look at, you know, when we when we start businesses or when we start something new in our lives, you know, we fall down a lot and we have to understand that we're going to fall down. You know, we're going to fail. We're going to have challenges. And but the biggest thing is, is that, you know, we got to make sure we keep getting ourselves up. Is there's, If there's something inside of us that really, truly believes that we have something to contribute and something to do and a difference to be able to make, that's something that we have to make sure we get back up. But quite often, the more times we fall down as we get older it gets harder and harder to get up, doesn't it? Yeah. Why do you think that is? You know, I think it comes down to our perspective on things. 
Mm. We start thinking and we start worrying too much about what other people think instead of what's really important to us. You know, like that's one thing that for me is that for a long time, I had a lot of ups and downs in my career. Obviously, I was a speed skater for 20 years. I missed the Olympics three times. I was the alternate for four different events. I missed one of the Olympics. I missed by seven hundredths of a second. Wow. And it's a matter of as we fail, as we fall down and as we have these challenges, we start creating stories in our minds. And so for me, I actually, I started creating the story in my mind that, that I was never going to be an Olympian. I started getting worried about if that was ever going to happen because obviously my previous results showed that I wasn't meant to go. You know, I, I got, I got sick before one Olympic trials. I got really, really sick before another Olympic trials. I missed the, the next one by seven hundredths of a second. And I started thinking it was never going to happen. And so we, we, you know, we start creating these stories and, and the thing that I want people to realize, and I'm, I'm sure if you're, if you're listening to this, you probably created certain stories around your business or around different aspects of your life. And the thing is, is that stories are just that they're just stories. You know, quite often we can't control what happens to us, but we can always control how we react and how we respond to what happens to us. So if you're going to create a story about something, a story that's not real, uh, you might as well create a story that serves you. And so in my last year, I finally I changed my story from being that this was, you know, you have to grind it out and it's such hard work and, and you know, that maybe this will never happen and, and start stopped worrying about all the, you know, the what ifs, the negative what ifs and started thinking about the possibilities. Mm. And that's what was a really big change for, for me. And so it's, it's something that's, I feel is really important for everybody to know. I love that. I want to take a step back for a second. So you said you tried in three different Olympic trials and didn't make it. I'm assuming is that over the course of 12 years? You betcha. Holy cow. So how old were you when you started? And then how old were you when you finally qualified? I was 11 years old when I started speed skating. And when I finally achieved my Olympic dream, I was 30. So I did, I had 20 years, 20 years of training. And, and for about 14 years of that, I was training up to six days a week, six to eight hours a day, 11 months out of the year, you know, for that 14 years. Wow. Did at that, I'm just curious there, as you were getting older, like, did you start to notice like performance was, you know, I'm, I'm not how I was when I was in my twenties or anything. Did that, did that start coming up? But like it was compensated with like how much experience and, and wisdom you'd accrued or did you have any of that experience at all? Well, one of the things that, that I actually, that I found is that I always told myself that if I, if I went a year without having a personal best, like a personal record, mm -hmm. that it was time to retire. Mm. And I ended up going five years without having a personal best, but there was something inside me that was just telling me that I couldn't quit, that I had to keep, you know, I had to continue on. I had to keep going. So it wasn't so much the fact that it wasn't my physical ability because I ended up the fitness testing and stuff that we do. I was still getting better. I was still hitting higher numbers than I ever done. My, I had some in my last year because of the change in perspective, because of starting to look at things and, and some of the things that we'll share today, looking at things differently. I was able to finally have the personal best, finally achieve my Olympic dream and achieve that Olympic medal. And, and it was a matter of, of, you know, doing some things differently and changing the way I was thinking and, and changing the way that I was really seeing myself and, and becoming somebody different than who I had been previous. So, and congratulations, by the way, that's so awesome. It's a great, it's a great story. 
it sounds like there was a part of you that had the story of this is not in my stars. This is never going to happen for me. I'm never going to be an Olympian. But then there's also what you said to use your language, that there was just something inside of me that knew I needed to keep going. And so do you feel like that that was just like, there were just both of these stories almost playing out at all times that like, even if you were saying in one breath, I'm never going to be an Olympian at the same time, there was like a deeper knowing that you knew that you would like, did you go into this like knowing more that yes, I am, this is going to happen. Or was it like not even like, was it a doubt and an uncertain all the times you did those trials? Well, it, it kind of comes down to, I let go, you know, I finally got to a point where I, you know, I'd struggled, I'd been pressing for years and, and I was, I was, you know, I was just struggling and it, I came to a point where it was finally like, you know what? I came to a breaking point and actually it was in June of 2005, the summer before the Olympic games. And I just come back from my, my third training camp. We actually, we've been in California training camp. We just got back and I was supposed to pack my bag and I was supposed to go to another training camp in, in uh, a place called Mont Tremblant, Quebec, which is a beautiful, beautiful place. And I broke down physically, emotionally, spiritually. I was just, I thought I was done. Mm. And I came to just this absolute breaking point. I, I, I physically, I broke down. I started crying and I just thought, you know what? I've had a great career. I've won all these World Cup and World Championship medals. I've, I've had, you know, phenomenal results. I've done a lot more than I ever really kind of anticipated I ever was going to do. But I think I'm done. I don't think I have anything more to give. And this was another real key pivotal point for me in my life is that, you know, I'm very blessed to, to have an amazing woman in my life. That's my now my wife. She was my fiance at the time and she came in and, you know, she was wondering what was going on because she'd never seen me cry before. And so I, I explained to her the same thing. I said, you know, you know, I've, I've had this great career. I don't think I can do it anymore. And she said the most important I've ever I've ever actually heard. It was the most impactful statement that's ever been told to me in my life. And I'm so grateful that she that she brought this to me. She said, you know what, Jay, I feel, you know, I absolutely support you 100 percent. You're right. You have had an amazing career. You've done a lot of incredible things. And if you decide that this is it for you, then I'll support you 100 percent. But the one thing I want you to really think about is I want you to think about Will you ever look back later on in your life and wonder, what if? You know, what if you would have continued on? What if you would have kept going? What if you would have persisted? Would you ever doubt that that decision? And would you regret that at the, at the end of your life? And that's the same the same thing for, for all of you listening is that if you're struggling, if you're having challenges in your business or, or in any aspect of your life, you know, look towards the end of your life. You know, Stephen Covey always says that, that, you know, start with the end in mind. Look at where you want to end up. And at the end of your life, are you going to look back and wonder if you didn't really continue, if you didn't take action, if you didn't follow your passion, if you didn't follow that dream that you have, will you regret that? And that's why I often say this is one of your your hashtag backwards there, James. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that. I always, you know, I, I always say that. uh it's not where we end up that matters. It's it's the fact that we you know we continue in that in that journey and we keep going there and keep going after that that experience. You know the the fact that she told me that and you know so obviously I decided I'm like you know what you're totally right that I, I would I would regret that. 
we, we don't regret the things that we do as much as we, you know, we may regret the things that we don't do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a matter of, so it's a matter of taking action and following our dreams, following our passions and keeping on, keeping on. It's not always easy, but the bottom line is, is this, is that, you know, sometimes I tell people, I say, you know what, you know what, James, it's actually, it was easy to become an Olympic medalist. This is again, the hashtag backwards is that the reason it was easy is because, you know, the six to eight hours a day, six days a week, 11 months of the year for 14 of the 20 years, it was easier to go through that because I was doing something that I loved and that I was passionate about, that I believed in. You know, the fact that I got to put on the maple leaf and represent my country, represent every person in my country for, you know, for 12 years of my career, was amazing and it was easier to go through that that daily the challenges and, and i don't even know if people on this call can fathom the the torture that we basically put our bodies through we're basically breaking our bodies down completely and trying to build them back up every single day and we're trying to be better every single day we're pushing ourselves to the point of throwing up during workouts to get to that level but that was easier than what i think it would be like being on my deathbed and looking back and wondering what if mm. wow she knew what she was doing the whole time when she said that to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. She's a smart, smart, smart woman. woman. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Hey, before we continue, I have a question. So you, you, you brought up stories and I love that. And I love that you recognize that you had been telling yourself a story. I was never going to be an Olympian. And I'd, I'd love if it's the same time or a different time, like where you actually realize that i think because you you know i said we're we're all telling stories and i i so Mm -hmm. agree but i think the difference is most people never recognize it they never recognize it as a story they never notice that it's this thing that they just wound up telling themselves how were you able to like stop and be like well wait a second this isn't necessarily true i can still do that was it this moment here or was it a different moment it actually it was right then and there that I realized because this is this is the thing and and you know James maybe you might be able to relate to this but have you ever found yourself sometimes you feel like you're just banging your head against the wall kind of making the maybe making the same mistake over and over again before you finally realize that there's a lesson that you need to learn <laughs> yes I've, I've been there many times and for me what that lesson was was that it happened right at, at this point it was like i finally realized you know what for most of my career i've been focused on why i wanted to go to the olympics why i wanted to have that experience why i wanted to be able to make that you know have that medal and it wasn't until i realized that you know what it's not about me mm-hmm. and i started focusing on it. i started thinking about the contribution that I could potentially have, the doors that might open, the people I might be able to impact and the difference I might be able to make if I did have that experience. And so this goes back to what I said about releasing is that I got to the point where I understood that I started to focus on the difference I wanted to make, but then then really started focusing on the fact that on that difference, focused on the people that I could impact and that then I, I things just changed and I realized I released and understood, you know what, whether I go to the Olympics or not, it doesn't really matter because I'll still go on to do great things no matter what. 
And so that's, you know, for, for all of us that are in, in business is that, you know, we're going to have challenges, we're going to have struggles and understanding and releasing to the universe in, instead of pressing and forcing. It's a matter of releasing and having faith that things will work out the way they're meant to work out. And that was the big story that changed for me is that instead of instead of thinking, oh, man, if this doesn't happen, my life you know won't be the same. It was a matter of realizing that, you know what, I can choose to have an amazing life, whether I go to the Olympics or not, whether I'm successful in this or not, whether I you know do great on in this race or not. It doesn't matter. And I just have to have faith that, you know, it'll work out the way it's meant to work out. I love that because the way I interpret that is that it doesn't matter whether or not you hit that ultimate result, you know, the gold medal. What matters is that you went for it. And Absolutely. You, and you gave it all you got. I mean, isn't that all that really matters? Like we hear those cliches so many times that we don't really like even hear them anymore, right? Like it's the journey, not the destination. But yeah. in that moment, what I'm hearing from Jason is that he detached, he let go, he surrendered to the destination and he made it about the journey, the decision to do what it takes and be the person he needed to be to get to that destination. And do you believe that? Do you believe that like, even if you didn't get any medal, that like you'd still have the same perspective that you have now? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this is kind of where, where it comes from is, is a matter of quite often we focus on the wrong things is so we, we burn and we waste so much energy on focusing on things that are out of, out of our control. And we just, instead of just focusing on the things that we actually can, like when I was competing, I couldn't control how good the other, uh, my competitors were on that day. Hmm. You know, I couldn't control the the weather conditions or the ice conditions or what time of the day we were going to be racing. That was all to my control. But for a lot of my career, all of us athletes, we get so wrapped up in all the little details and we focus on all these little things. And so finally, again, in that last year, when I released, I, I let go and started focusing on the things that were in my control was my preparation and my mindset going into these things. And, you know, and, and being totally frank and, and James, I don't know if I've ever shared this anywhere else before is that when I went to the line at the Olympics, well, let me ask you, what do you think I was thinking when I went to the, it went to the starting line at the Olympics? Oh my gosh, man, I can only imagine. <laughs> I have no idea. Like I have no idea what you'd be thinking. I really can't even imagine. Like, are you sizing up the competitors and like looking at them and, or are you just like focused on, I don't know. What, what, well, what, what was it going through your head? Well, the last thing that went through my mind before the gun went off was there's no turning back now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was committed. Wow. Yeah. You know, I was committed to that. But the thing was, is that, you know, in all honesty, I did not feel as prepared as I wanted to be for the Olympics. You know, that's one of the things looking back, if knowing the things that I know now, all the training and the, you know, the personal development that I've done since then, which I did, I did a lot of that previous as well, but I, I've, I've taken so, such, so much bigger strides lately in the fact of, of really changing, you know, beliefs and, and focusing on, you know, on who I'm being as opposed to who, you know, it, it, who I, who I'm maybe not being at, at that point in time. And, mm -hmm. and just really, it's a matter of um, now 
I wish I was in the condition now to actually race that race now because I feel I would have done a lot better even than than uh, than I did back then because mentally I just didn't feel prepared. But you know what? One thing that I I, I really always stress with people, and this is something important for for everybody to remember, is the fact that. You know, you know, we can't go back. You know, obviously we can't go back, but I look back on even the most challenging times in my life. And, and James, I bet you, you can relate to this too, is the fact that if you look back over your career and all the, all the biggest obstacles and challenges that you've faced, I bet you now looking where you are currently, you probably look on all those challenges, you know, with gratitude because of the fact that they have put you are where you are now. Like that's the way I am. As I look back at those three missed Olympics, those things I look back on now, and I would not actually change that, believe it or not, because of the fact that when I stood on that podium at the Olympics and they put that medal around my neck, there was not another athlete at those games that appreciated that medal as much as I did mine mm. because of the things that I had to overcome to get there, because of the things that, that I did to be able to get there. So it's a matter of us quite often, and this is something that people will really want to try and, and, and bring into your life is the fact that look at challenges as gifts. You know, when we're in the moment is quite often is that a challenge seems like a challenge. Obviously, it's something that we don't want to incur. But the fact is, is that challenges, when they force us to be better to overcome them. Like even think about the word, I don't, I never use the word problem anymore. I only use the word challenge instead. And, and I'm really particular a lot of the times with my language. And because when you think about the word itself, you know, like when, when I say the word challenge, James, what do you think of? Like what comes to mind for you? I would hope for most entrepreneurs, what would come to mind is something that you can move towards, something that you can tackle, something that you can address, accomplish or overcome. Whereas I think what's so funny in all this I'm hearing, so many people are running from problems and mm -hmm. avoiding problems. And yes, I couldn't agree more. These are the things that define us because this is where our greatest clarity comes from. This is where we make those pivotal decisions just like you have. And so many people are running from them. They're avoiding these. And these are the things that make us. If you ask me, I look back at, anything that was an adversity at the time. It's part of who I am now as a better person, as a better business owner, as a better leader to my team, you know, when we have to move forward them. So I, I mean, I love reframing that as a, as a challenge. Yeah. And the way I look at challenge is that I always look at the fact of you want to rise to the challenge. You want to overcome the challenge. You want to be able to, I never look at a challenge as something to avoid, but something that forces me to be better so that I, I can, you know, I can overcome that. Yeah. You know, something that I often share when I speak is, and you know, if you're listening to this, you might want to write this down, is that I really believe that challenges are the universe's way of testing us to see how bad we really want it. Mm -hmm. You know, because quite often the fact that we, you know, if we're we're going to encounter challenges no matter what, you know, like that first race, you know, I actually I've created a, uh, an ebook of the 11 lessons I learned from my first race uh, that'll actually help you make more money. And I took I took 11, 11 lessons away from that very first race. So it wasn't just the fact that we need to get up. There's so many more, so much more that goes beyond that. It comes to the fact that we need to, on a regular basis, we need to challenge ourselves for us to to continue to grow. I mean, so many people, how many people do you know that are just surviving? You know, they're just doing what they can to get through the day instead of actually trying to improve on a regular basis and go to a higher level. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, something you else you touched on that I just want to hit on, which I, I see all the time as well, is you said that something to the effect of how much people, especially in, in business, worry and focus their time and attention on things that are outside of control. And you gave some great mm-hmm. examples within the context of you know, speed skating, for example. But what would you say, looking at business owners and entrepreneurs today, what are some great examples of things that they're, they might be focusing on that they really, truly don't have any control over? Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, there's so, so many things you can't, you can't necessarily control, you know, how a person is is going to to react to your your product. You can't control how they're actually how they're going to react on on your social media posts. You know, you may have people that you know react negatively, and you can't control that, but you can control how you react to it. You can't control the fact that some people might not like you. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a really successful person, uh, one, a big mentor in my life. One of the first things that he taught me, he said, "You know what, Jason, you're one of the nicest guys I've ever met, but you know what? Understand that." No matter how nice you are, 20% of the population probably aren't going to like you no matter what you do. And it's a matter of understanding that. So it's a matter of we don't want to focus on that. You know, when it comes to business, we we can't necessarily control how many people are actually are going to buy from us. It's a matter of just us focusing on what we can is is providing as much value as possible, trying to make the biggest impact, having their best interest at heart, knowing that we want to, to help them to go to a higher level. That's the thing to, you know, to, to really try and, and wrap our head around it. And there's so many things that we, we, you know, we tend to worry about that, you know, one of the things that in my last year, sorry to bring that back to my sport, but I had this meeting with my coach and, and he told me something again, that was also really impactful. That is something that everybody on this, you know, in this, listening to this podcast should really take to heart is that we need to enjoy what is what we're doing. And we need to also understand that, this is the last day, the last, you know, whatever day of, of the, the last Friday, June the, the 8th, as we're recording this, that we will ever have. And so we want to make the most of this day. So it's when you know, I want to try and make the most of this interview to try and provide as much value as I can. And when I get to after this, when I go and spend some time with my kids, I want to make sure I make the most of that time with my kids is we want to make sure that we understand that every single day we need to make the most out of every day and enjoy that process and actually enjoy what it is that we do. I mean, how many people do you know that don't like their life? They don't like their business. They don't like, some of them don't like their customers, but they don't realize that they pick a lot of those things and it's your choice to love what you do, to have fun. You know, that was one of the biggest changes in my last year is that every workout I tried to make it fun when we, during the, the actual set, when we were doing an extra, like an activity, it was focused. But as soon as we had finished, we would goof around with our teammates and make it fun and look forward to it. You know, that was something that I remember I hear, I heard you mention at one point in time is you need to schedule play in your life. And, Mm -hmm. and if you're not enjoying, if you're not enjoying your business, if you're not enjoying your life, that's your choice. And we need to choose to try and make it better. I absolutely love that. So you said at the beginning, talking about Olympifying your business. And I think, you know, you've alluded to a lot just in sharing your story and your perspective on things, but how would you really define, like, what exactly does that mean to you to Olympify your business? Well, let me ask you actually that, that question first. What does it mean to you? <laughs> um, <laughs> to be a champion, you know, and to, I guess, like the same way you described your story, 
to be able and, and everything you've talked about from like a level of detachment and surrender, but go into something, you know, 110%. Yeah. And you know, Olympify is different for every person. It's unique to every person. The way I look at it is basically for me, Olympify means going to the highest levels. And so that is a matter of whatever that means for you. So, if, you know, if you're listening to this, whatever business you're in, you're in whatever, if you're, even if you're not in business, if you're just trying to go to a higher level in your, in your personal life, in your family life, that's what Olympify is about. It's about going to the highest levels. And so here's the thing, James, is I, I define Olympian differently than most people. Is that, how would you define an Olympian? How would I define an Olympian? Yeah. Like uh, outside of the context of someone who competes in the Olympics. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> sure. the, that's the literal definition. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. How would I define an Olympian? I would say like someone who makes it to the top percentage of, you know, performance and, and, and accomplishment and achievement in their area. I would say a person who's dedicated a, their life to a level of mastery of something and they are performing that mastery from a level of subconscious competence. You know, it's, it's automatic. It comes easy to, to them. They can do it, you know, like in their sleep. That's what I would say is, is an Olympian. That's a pretty good definition. I almost don't know if I want to share mine now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I, the definition is to one up the answer to when someone else asks, that's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's, what's your definition? The way I define Olympian is I define Olympian as anybody who chooses to persist without exception mm. until they achieve something extraordinary in any aspect of their life. So I believe that anybody and everybody has the potential, the possibility, uh, the ability to become an Olympian in their own life, be it in, in business, be it in sport, be it in art, in being a parent. It's a matter of Olympians or anybody who chooses to persist until they achieve something amazing. And so that's why I really, really believe that people need to know is that it's our choice to become an Olympian in our life or not. It's our choice to live a great life or not. And it's a matter of making sure that we grasp that and we take that and we go after that and we love it and we live it and we make the best of it. Like, I love that because I love that perspective too. Like, I think everyone has, especially whatever dream desire they have within them, their success, their results are absolutely inevitable if they choose to, to commit and go down that path. But as I hear your story, you started so young. Like, tell me really quick in a nutshell, I'm just going off on a tangent for a moment. What was your environment like growing up that would have had you at so, such a young age? By 12, you're already like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to the Olympics. Because like you, I, I don't see the average kid making that choice at a young age. Like they do. And then like things happen and they, you know, maybe their parents say, Oh, be realistic or you need to get a job or blah, blah, blah. But it sounds yeah. like you had an environment that helped foster that. I, I did. I had a really supportive family and, and I was, I'm very blessed with that. You know, the fact that my parents, my, my dad worked really hard to be able to, to provide so that I could travel. I, I was traveling when I was, when I was, you know, 11, 12 years old, I was traveling to 16 competitions a year. So, and that was basically, that was like four days for each competition. Cause it'd be two days of travel and, and two days of competition. And, and you know, my mom was a, she was a coach and, and, uh, we actually even created the club. So I was very, 
very, very blessed to have a lot of support. The challenge was is that there was no such thing as speed skating in, uh, in, my, in my community. So what I actually did was that uh, I, I had a videotape of the, the 1988 Winter Olympics. I would come home after school. As soon as I tell you this, you're going to understand that I was kind of a bit of a, a, a weird bird, and you know, and, and and as as I'm sure you'll admit that all you know, all top achievers in any any aspect, we we think a little bit differently, and we we are a little bit different. But so here I was, you know, I was uh, 11, 12 years old. I come home after school, and I put in that videotape of the of the '88 Olympics, and I'd watch the best speed skaters in the world, and then I'd close my eyes, and I would imagine what it would feel like to skate just like them. Mm. You know, what it would be like to to push like that. What be like to to go that fast and then what i did is i would then go downstairs into my basement where i had these mirrors set up on the wall and i would do what's called imitations so i would imitate the skating technique in front of the mirrors and i would try to recreate the feelings that i would just visualize by watching those best speed skaters in the world how did you know how to how did you know to do that I went to a training camp. There was a, a sports psychologist that told us about visualization. Wow. And, but that was as much as it was. I just, I kind of <laughs> happened to, to kind of get lucky. And, and I guess the way I look at it is where there's a will, there's a way, James, is that even though I didn't have a coach, I didn't really have ice time to be able to skate. I didn't have teammates. I wanted to go to the Olympics so bad that I found a way to be able to do it. And I, you know, I just was lucky that this sports psychologist told me about visualization and then I just kind of took it and ran with it. Hmm. I love that. Cause you know, you're like aware of like the science and the studies today where they've like, there's all these famous studies where they took like a group of people and they had them practice, uh, you know, f- shooting a basketball from the free throw line. And, and then they took another group and they had them just imagine they'd be shooting from the free throw line and they were able to like, there was something where they were able to like then actually have them demonstrate how many baskets they would shoot. And the people who visualized it could shoot just as well or better than those that had been practicing. You've like heard those things before, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so fascinating. The thing that's crazy is that going back to when I was a kid though, is that we didn't really hear a lot about that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Exactly. It's a lot more commonplace today. Yes. That's why I was like so fascinated. Like, wow, how did you know to just start doing that? So, Listen, I, I want to get into your five eyes, five eyes yeah. to unlocking your uh, Olympian within. And I know one of those starts to discuss a little bit of visualization. So yeah. I'd, I'd love if we can get into those and you can share those with us right now. Sure. Absolutely. Well, the first one is his intuition. And this is something that, you know, I feel that a lot of people, one of the challenges with intuition is a lot of people actually don't listen to their intuition because we are so, we are so ingrained and and so trained. Our education system trains us to be very focused and, and, and thinking with our left, the left side of our brain that we, we tend to tune out. We tend to tune out our intuition, which, which I believe intuition is, you know, it's that inner voice that we hear. It was that inner voice that was telling me, Jason, you know, keep going. There is something that you still have to do. I recently picked up the the book from uh, Florence Scholeshin, which I think you're familiar with. Oh, yes. And her book's called The Magic Path of Intuition. And one of the first things that she says is that, and I know that obviously people have different relations when it comes to spirituality and and uh, and that sort of thing. And so she does use the you know use the name God in here, but you can you know choose to if you're listening to this, you can choose you know a universe or or higher power or higher self or whatever fits for you. But she actually says prayer 
is telephoning to God and intuition is God telephoning to you. Mm. So basically it's like our intuition is our direct connection to the universe of uh, being able to share with us, you know, things that we might not be aware of, especially if we're living in our, you know, in, in our prefrontal cortex in, in our, in our mind. And so the thing with intuition is a matter of starting to listen to that. I, again, I had a, another really, really successful mentor of mine um, that one of the first things that he tried teaching me is he's, he told me, he said, you know what, Jason, is that you need to get out of your head. You need to get out of that left side of your brain because if you trust your gut, if you trust your instincts, you trust your intuition, you'll be right 80% of the time. And chances are, if you do all the research, and, and I come from a family of chartered accountants, so I come honestly by that left side of the brain and analyzing and analyzing and analyzing. And so what I've really been doing over the you know last couple of years is really try to focus on analyzing less and getting quiet and really listening and, and asking my intuition for advice. And it's incredible the, the difference that that makes. And so I think that's that's a real key, key thing is intuition. We don't listen to it and we need to and we need to start really developing that ability further. I love that. I don't you wouldn't expect an athlete or especially an Olympic athlete to, to like lead with talking about your intuition before you move on. Do you, can you think of one example in in your business career where you led with intuition and it like panned out for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've I've got a couple of interesting ones that have happened recently, and and some have been uh, in in some of the investing that I've that I've been doing. I uh, I'd actually there was you know there were some stocks that I was looking at trading, and uh, I had actually uh, asked myself. You know, logically, I was thinking about it, and I was watching the stock and watching the stock. And so, when I was going to put in my my purchase, the the ask price that I was putting in, I asked. You know, logically, I said, okay, well, I want to do this amount, and, and my intuition was kind of like, no, you should do this amount. And and so the stock started going up and up and up, and and so it missed what I was going to put. So I was going to put in a higher, you know, a higher price to fill. In my intuition, it was almost like. It's funny because sometimes I have these battles in, you know, within me yeah. and the intuition like yelled at me. It's like, you know, what? no trust, you know, trust, trust me. It'll, you know, put it for this price. It'll be filled tomorrow. And sure enough. So I'm like, OK, I back down and, and the next day it was actually filled. And so that, that stock has actually done really, really well since in my business. I mean, it's sometimes it's been a matter of events like I speak uh, professionally. So I travel in, uh, all over the world and, and speak. And there's been some times where there's been events where it's just like something didn't really feel right about it. And so I chose not to not to actually participate. And then there's been times where. It's been the opposite. I chose to go ahead anyways. And you know how that usually works out. Right. James is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's just more confirmation, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and so it's, it's just something that I, I want to make sure that uh, it's something that I'm really working on. And I want everybody to really think if you want to go to a higher level, there is no higher level than being able to connect directly to you know, to your highest self. Yeah. And we, we tend to try to rationalize logically and, and talk ourselves out of things. And sometimes sometimes when we're making decisions, we're making scary decisions, like things that that, uh, you know, may involve a lot of a lot of money and may involve a lot of time and effort. And so we're trying to rationalize either sometimes ourselves into it or sometimes out of it when you know whether it's right or right or wrong. But sometimes you just don't want to listen to what it is that's that, you know, what it's really saying. Right. Yeah. It, it's almost as if we're listening too much to the 
that smaller voice that's or it sounds a lot louder actually that from the smaller yeah. self that's that's telling that story of the worst case of what you're afraid it's going to happen and we it's funny when you start to have an intuition conversation with people and they like don't want to buy into it but it's like but you've been buying into all these fear-based stories of your ego what's the difference right yeah. you know people are so much more easier to like grapple on to that story of the worst case scenario of what it's going to happen if I do this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, isn't that just the same thing? You're just believing in something that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's go on to the next one. All right. So the second thing is, is identity. And so obviously for, for those of you that are listening, identity is basically is who we are at the, at the deepest level. And quite often, my big problem with identity is a lot of people don't really ever give much thought to who they're being or who they want to be. And so this is this is another thing is that for me, going back to my sport and using that example is for a long time, I started creating the, the identity and and that belief at the, at the deepest level that maybe I might not go to the Olympics. And it wasn't until I finally released that and really started doing more training around, around other aspects and, and that we'll get into later on in this that I was able to be able to move past that. And so when our identity, one of the biggest things is that from an athlete's point of view, and it's you know funny because obviously we've been hearing more and more about this lately is, is the fact that, well, actually, I, I want to I, I say, just go off on a little bit of tangent here with regards to identity is that for the longest time, I was very, very dedicated to my sport. And I know a lot of you listening are probably have been very dedicated to your businesses or in the past, you may have been very dedicated to your job or, or quite often we feel that we're, you know, we're dedicated to our family or dedicated to our relationships. And the thing is, when it comes to, dedication is very important and it's it's important to have that as you know as a, a characteristic of our identity but it will not get us to success and it wasn't until i finally realized that dedication wasn't nearly as important as being committed to what it was that i wanted to create and committed to the results that I wanted to have and committed to the process. And I became a person that was committed and would see things through to the end. That's where it really made a big difference. So when we're looking at our identity is the fact that, you know, you need to ask yourself, you know, are you committed to what it is you want to create? Have you been demonstrating commitment? And is that something that you need to start working on at a, at a, at a deeper, a deeper level? That, can you go a little deeper with that? And what does dedicated mean to you versus committed? In other words, what is, what is committed have in it inherent in that, that, that dedicated doesn't just so we really know the difference. Yeah, absolutely. I, the way I look at dedicated is that you know, dedicated is something that you show up every day, you do the work, you continue on but you might not necessarily be as invested in it. Whereas commitment, the way I look at commitment is that commitment is like, you know, burning the boats, burning the bridges, like, you know, Napoleon Hill says in Think and Grow Rich is in that story about the, the army that went to the, the new lands and, you know, the, the, the general, he said, you know, he ordered the, the people to, to burn the boats because the only way they were going to get off the island would, was if they actually won and they took that, that island, that country. Mm-hmm. You know, the commitment is going to that highest level and understanding that I am going to make sure that I follow through. I'm going to see this through to the end. And... Like for, for me, it was a matter of, it was 20 years. You know, I was in, in, 
my my second Olympic trials at that point in time, I was actually I was ranked third in the world. You know, I was expecting to win Olympic a medal at that at that Olympics, that second Olympics. And I ended up not making that Olympic team. And it wasn't until eight years later that I finally, you know, finished off the way I the way I wanted. So commitment is in my mind is there's no way out from commitment. It's being all in, all yeah. in, all invested completely with all your body, heart and soul in passion into what it is that you wanted to do and create. I love that. Thank you for, for that. That's great. Absolutely. Yeah. What's the next one? Intention. Mm. So would you like to know what I really believe is the main difference between Olympians and everyday people? Sure. Yeah. Well, I really believe that the difference, and if you're listening to this, you want to make sure that you write this down because this is something important can really have a massive, massive impact in your life if you incorporate this, is that Olympians, every single day, Olympians wake up with the intention of being better than they were the day before. Mm. So Olympians wake up with the intention of being better than they were the day before. Because like, if you think about it, James, how many people do you know, like we talked about earlier, that they're just trying to survive life. They get up yeah. the first thing in the morning, all they start thinking about is all the things they need to do. You know, they gotta you know pick up the, the dry cleaning, they gotta drop off the kids and kids, you know, so-and-so's got baseball and this has gymnastics and and soccer and, and you get all wrapped up into all the, all the do, 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 do things. And that you forget about what it is that you wanna create for that day. Yes. So Olympians, you know, every single day when I got up to go and train, I had the intention of trying to beat myself, beat my best, whether it was in the weight room, trying to push more weight, push more reps. If it was on the, on the ice, it was trying to go faster, do a faster lap time, whatever that was. I mean, like, if you think about it, when you work out, do you try and do the same weight, the same number of reps, the same amount of weight every single time you work out? That's a good Are point. you going to get yeah. results by doing that? No. Or you aren't going to get better results. Absolutely. And so the, having the intention and creating intentions in our life of what we want our life to look like and doing that on a daily basis, that is what the big difference was. So like when I woke up, when I was competing, it was a matter of, you know, okay, what was my workouts for today? How can I be better? What can I do nutritionally better? What can I do for better recovery? What can I do, you know, with my with my relationships? What can I do for, you know, for rests, like all these things. And, and so in my life still today, when I get up, my feet hit the ground. The first thing I do is, I, you know, I express gratitude for having another day to be able to be on this planet, to be able to make a difference, to make a contribution. Because quite often we have this entitlement mentality that we think that we should be able to we feel entitled to 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 life. And you know, we feel entitled to be able to wake up without doing anything to to help improve our health or to be able to 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 do things to to go to that higher level in our health or in our business in any aspect. So I first I'm I'm grateful. And the next I start asking myself, I said, okay, so my most important thing, my highest value, uh, and our intentions have to be closely correlated with our highest values is my my kids and my wife. So the first thing I ask myself is how can I be a better dad today? How can I be a better husband today? 
And then the second thing that I ask is that, you know, how can, what kind of content can I create to be able to serve my audience and to make a bigger difference in the world and, and help fulfill my, my destiny of wanting to be able to create an entire Olympian movement around the world where, of people that want to go from where they are to a higher level. Because right now we need inspiration. We need people to go to that higher level. We need people to, to take a stand. The fact in, I mean, in, in, in Canada where I live, I live in Alberta and our biggest, uh, the biggest part of our economy is oil and gas. So we have so many people that are focused on the doom and gloom of the fact that because things have been struggling here with regards to gas and gas prices and they've you know all we've been hearing about for years now has been this you know the economy and doom and gloom and all this kind of thing and i really believe that we create through our thoughts and what what it is that we create with our intentions is that we can create our own economy we can together by by you know working together and making a difference trying to add higher value to the world make a bigger impact that we can create our own economies and really change the way that the world works amen to that i love it so intention is, is huge. Most people don't have intention. And that's that's a big, big problem. So if you're listening to this, make sure that you wake up tomorrow and you create an intention to try and be better. Are you always going to be better? Do I always achieve all of my intentions at the end of the day? Absolutely not. You know, a lot of the time I might not. But the most important thing is that we decide and we commit to doing our best to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, really, are you more or less likely to get what you want? when you set your intention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's fantastic. Okay. Let's, let's talk about the next one. Yeah. So we already touched a little bit on this one. This is imagery and this is something that I feel is really, really undervalued, underutilized. And the people that do utilize it quite often, they do it wrong. And because a lot of people start thinking, it's like, oh, you know, I tried that visualization and that ah, doesn't work. It doesn't work. And and but this is the thing is that, you know, so you, you already heard the fact that I used visualization a lot when I was a kid and I got to the point and, and this may be a little surprising, but I got to the point, James, where I could actually close my eyes and I could visualize my race and I could take lap times with a stopwatch. And when I'd open my eyes after and I look at the lap times that I was able to record from a visualization, it was within like a 10th of a second of my actual races that's amazing so the power of the mind is so far beyond what we can even fathom its ability and the thing is is that the way i was using it i was using it you know pretty well and it got me to a certain level it got me to the national team and then once I was on the national team, I was using it for, for quite a while. But then I started really struggling with it. And it was because even I was doing it wrong. I could visualize so vividly and, and see my races and I could see, you know, the, 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 the scene that I could see the track. I could see what it was like. But I was missing the most important key factor. And this is why for most people, visualization does not work is because they do not connect enough emotion and feeling to that visualization. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, James, in my last, like my last couple of years, what do you think that I spent the most time visualizing? Oh, I'd say speaking on stage. <laughs> Man, you're, you're good. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the first thing I see when I go to your website. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people would think, oh, you know, you probably visualize, spent most of your time visualizing the, the, you know, winning the medal and being on the podium and, or, or visualizing the race. And even though I did visualize those things too, the thing that I really focused in on is this goes back to that realization that it's not about me and it was about the contribution that I wanted to make. I got really clear with what it was going to be like and what it was going to feel like 
to when I was introduced for the first time after having won a medal at the Olympics, being introduced to to a large audience that I was going to be able to have the opportunity and the, the chance to be able to inspire and provide some of my the, the experience that I had with the intention of helping try to take them to another level, inspire them to try and do something differently and, and improve their lives. And I got clear of what that looked like and how that felt. And I tell you, James, on I won my medal on, on uh, February 17th of, of 2006. On April 26th, I believe it was of that same year, so two months later, mm-hmm. I was I was back. I got married six weeks to the day that I won my Olympic medal. I got married, and then we had the honeymoon. And so when I came back, uh, I, I was invited to speak at this event, and there was about a thousand people, and I had visualized it to the point where I, I had even pictured people that I wanted to see in the in the front of the of the actual audience. When I was sitting there being introduced and I was listening to this, the same thing that I felt like I'd heard, you know, thousands of times previous, and I'm actually right now even just going back and thinking about it, I'm starting to actually shake and and just remember how incredible that feeling was. When I stood up onto the stage, I just, I became overwhelmed with emotion because I looked out into the crowd and I actually saw some of those people, those same people in the same spots. Wow. And had that opportunity to be able to have that impact and start the next next stage of my my career. And it was incredible. It is incredible. And what I'm hearing too from this is, is if you've ever heard that like advice that are like given to fighters when like they learn how to punch, it's like, you know, imagine what they're hitting is like six to eight inches beyond the board or whatever they're punching the target or whatever. I don't know if you've yeah. ever heard that, but it's like, I almost overlay that analogy over what you're just sharing is that like, there was something beyond the gold medal for you. There was something beyond the Olympics and winning that was, that was bigger. That was about significance and contribution and, and on a whole other level of impacting people. And it was like, that punch of going through that target to something beyond that. And I do see so many people make that one thing, whether it's that six figure year or that first launch or whatever, be like the penultimate thing in their life. And there's nothing beyond that. And I don't know, that just came up for me. I just think that's really powerful. And the key thing, and absolutely, I like, I totally agree with that. And the thing is, the thing that's really interesting is that the lead up to that moment did not happen the way I had anticipated it or visualized it. Of course, of course not. Yeah. The race didn't happen the way I had originally intended it. The, even the event that I was competing in didn't happen the way I was intending it. But the bottom line is this, and this is something that is, you know, for, for the listeners, for, for, re, for if you're going to use visualization that you really, really want to focus in on this and understand this is that it didn't happen the way I had visualized it but the end result was still what I was going for. So everything else for that end result to happen, everything else had to fall in place the way it was meant to be. So that's why I say when it's so important to have faith that it's going to work out the way it's meant to be. If you're doing a new launch, if you're launching a new product, having faith that is going to work out the way it is supposed to be for you at that time, it might not look the exact way that you anticipate it. It might not look just the way that you want it, but it's what you need to happen for that point in time to be able to give you a lesson to help you be able to continue to move forward and go to that next level. Amen to that. And I want to correct you on one thing. You said 
if you're going to use visualization. And we're going to let everyone here listening say when you start using visualization. Yes. Because this is not the first time it's been brought up on the podcast. So I love hearing it more and more. You should be excited by more and more people sharing, hey, this is what allowed me to accomplish what one one hundredth of a percent of people on the planet get to do and how much of a factor it plays in their success and their lives. And it's scientifically proven with numerous studies of like blind, double blind studies of people using visualization versus not. And the brain can't tell the difference between what's real and imagined. And I loved absolutely what you said about how much of a role a heightened emotional state plays in that. Cause there's also been studies done on that. So that's huge. If it, it's not working for you, it's because it's not just a thinking process, but it's a feeling process as well. And something I heard a long time ago, which I absolutely love is anytime you do a visualization, the goal is that you don't want to get up from the visualization unless or until you actually feel like a different person for having experienced that visualization. Like it's done. It's already, you already did it. There's no need to do it because you've done it. And that's when you know that the process is working. And I love what you said about the, the trust as well. Amen. So fantastic. Okay. Um, we've got one more. Yeah. Last one. Cool. And this is immediate inspired action. And we've all heard that, you know, the, the universe, the universe likes action and going back to our intuition, this, and so this whole five eyes, it works as a circle. So once you start taking immediate inspired action based off of what, uh, what your intuition had originally provided you with, it will help the intuition will come back and it'll start providing you with more information. But having the, the key thing is making sure that you do things immediately and something that you really believe, something that you're excited about, something that might scare you a little bit, but you know it's the right direction to take. But the biggest thing is you take action. You know, you can't win an Olympic medal if you don't start the race. And the fact that, well, let me let me actually go go on a, a little bit uh, different direction with this too. You know, James, I know you probably heard of the 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 acronym ROI. Yes. Uh, so for those of you who are familiar, ROI is return on investment. So if you want to really increase your ROI, I believe that you the best way to do that is you increase your SOI. Do you know what? Have you heard of SOI, James? No, I haven't. So SOI is speed of implementation. Oh, I like that. Speed of implementation. So what that is, is that basically we're taking in so much information on a regular, on a daily basis. And, and realistically, I almost think we're taking in too much information on a, on a daily basis. And quite often we use it as a crutch to be able to hide from taking the actions of things that we want to do because we think we need more information. When in actuality, we're so bombarded by information that it's kind of like your computer when you have too many apps and things open, what happens to your computer? It slows down. <laughs> Absolutely. It slows down and that crashes. Loud, that loud fan noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And our, our brains do the same thing because we have so much information we're taking in on a regular basis. And so that's why I think we need to take in actually less information, but spend more time focusing on implementing the information that we take in. And so let me let me give you an example of, of the impact that this has and, and and speed of implementation. So when I was when I was training competing, I had two coaches and, and we had anywhere from five to ten athletes per, per team. And so every time I would do a, an interval of some sort of exercise, I would stop and I would go and I would talk with my coach and he would give me feedback. 
And so the feedback that he would give me, I would then instantly go and I would try to put into my next interval, the next set of, or, or whatever it was that I was doing. So my speed of implementation was extremely high. Mm-hmm. So what we look at, you know, you, you look at the average person when they, when they read a book, you know, how often does a person read a book and they read it as fast as they can just to get through it so they have that feeling of, you know, of at least they did complete it, but then the book just goes and sets aside and, and they don't do anything with it. You know, the, the, you know, the information just, you know, it just kind of disappears and it, it, you know, you took it in, but you didn't process it and you didn't do anything with it. Yeah. So speed of implementation, that's why immediate inspired action and speed of implementation are, you know, obviously they're, they're paired together so that you can have, start having results quickly and you can start getting momentum because quite often, you know, you've heard the, I'm sure you've heard the analogy of the rocket ship is that we spend a lot more, you know, most of the fuel is used on the first, you know, the, the first little bit to get the rocket ship going through the atmosphere. And then once it's, it travels all the way out into the space, however far, and comes all the way back with a fraction of the amount of fuel because it, of momentum. And so by taking inspired immediate action, and in addition to that, when you do do, do that, you, it's a matter of quite often, we tend to often be our own biggest critics. And we, we always tend to remember the things that we either didn't do or the things that we didn't wrong or our biggest failures. And what we need to start doing more of is we need to start recognizing and acknowledging and celebrating successes, no matter how big or small. So when you're taking these actions on a daily basis, it's a matter of what I actually have is I have, I have a couple different journals that I write in on a, on a daily basis. I have one journal that is my, is my, my vision, my dream journal. And I also have my victory and gratitude journal. So what my victory and gratitude journal is, is at the end of every day, I go back and I write three victories that I had for that day. And then I write three things that I'm grateful for. And so this is the reason why I do that is the fact that quite often we're going to come up at some point in time, momentum may start to slow down, or we may experience some challenges that may sideline us a little bit and take us in a bit of a different direction. And we may start getting down on ourselves and have a difficult time. If you have this victory and gratitude journal, you can go back and you can start looking at all the wins that you've had over time. Then that helps you to realize and and remember and recall the fact that you've come a long ways. You've made big strides towards accomplishing what it is that you want to do. And by doing that, it helps to pull you out of that funk and help get you back on track to be able to move forward again. But it all comes down from action. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So I want to quickly recap the five eyes that you shared intuition, which is beginning to listen and trust that inner voice coming from our higher self. You guys know I've done a lot of episodes talking about intuition that I lead with intuition as much as I can. I'm still human, but I lead with (laughs) as much as I can to make the decisions big and small in my business, in my life. Jason next talked about identity. Who are we and who do we say we are? I always believe that that I am are two of the most powerful words that we can ever utter because of what we say after that we make true for ourselves. And, you know, most entrepreneurs never stop to, to ask those questions. Who am I at the identity level intention? I love that, you know, focusing your attention and and Jason shared some great stuff for his, his morning intentions, imagery and visualization. Love that. And then finally taking immediate inspired action. And I think ultimately all of these is about having the discipline or rather being committed to practice 
all of these to a level of mastery each and every single day. I think I'm just going to say what Jason's already going to say, and I just want to say it, is that knowing this and saying, oh yeah, James, I've heard this concept before, that's the problem. Because if it's just Mm -hmm. that, it's just a concept. And until you start living and operating this way, this is again, just a repeat of filling your head with more information that we don't use. We start living this way and that's, when we start to see the difference. So this is fantastic, Jason. I want to be mindful of time. So is there anything else that you would like to share or leave with our listeners really to call this episode complete for you? You know, really, like I said earlier on, is the fact that, you know, Olympify and, and having an Olympian life and leading an Olympian life means different things to every single person. Take some time to actually think of what that means for you and start making a plan. You know, start moving forward. Go back and you know listen to this again and review those you know the the five eyes and 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 just really start to take action on this. Take that inspired action, and on a daily basis, one thing that I try to seek every single day is I try to seek inspired conversations, and that's one of the intentions that that I have is because right now the world needs inspiration. The world needs you. The world needs you to get your voice and your message out on a higher level. You have a lot bigger, you can have a lot bigger impact than you know. And sometimes the smallest things can make the biggest differences in a person's life. So try to have inspired conversations, share that information with the world, and basically go out there every single day and live your Olympian life today. Awesome. And Jason, where can we find more information about you? Uh, you can find me at jasonparkerspeaks.com. And I'm also just just starting up a new Facebook group that uh, for anybody who would like to have more conversations and learn more about what it is that uh, Olympify Your Life means is if you just go to olympifygroup.com and join that Facebook group, we'll have some lots of fun stuff and lots of, lots of great information for you to take you to that next level and Olympify your life and your business. Awesome. And guys, we're going to link that all up in the show notes for you. So Jason, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time and sharing this with our listeners. It's been my honor, James. I'm so, so happy to be here and I hope people got some value from this and take some action. Well, let us know, guys. Let me know. Send a message to Jason. Send a message to me. You know, I'm always on Instagram. Send me a DM. Let me know your thoughts, your takeaways, your feedback from the episode. I'd love to hear from you. And thank you guys again so much for listening to another episode of the Mind Your Business Podcast. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I want to show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate and we can get started right now.